Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and today on the show, we're going to work on a paper. I have an assignment that I need to write on how COVID-19, the pandemic, affected church ministry. This is actually going to be a two-parter. We got an interview today as part of a paper requirement. We also, I'm going to be talking about a book I have to read on this topic as well in an upcoming episode. But I need to talk to a pastor about their experience with the pandemic and what they learned about ministry from it. And to do that, I have brought back our good friend, Pastor Will Rose. Pastor Will, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep, we had found last time and we got a good chemistry and uh, a lot of these topics and things you're discussing is on the forefront of my mind as well. So glad to help and share my my hot takes. Ooh, hot take. That's even better. Lukewarm, lukewarm. lukewarm. Book of okay. Revelation. Luke, Luke Revelation, the book of Revelation would not be very happy with me. It would probably, no, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> uh, for those of you who missed it, Will was on the show back in October uh, to help with a different paper. It was Leadership 101, and we talked about the uh, talked about pastoral leadership, a couple different qualities that uh, pastors need to have, that churches look for when it comes to leadership. I had to ask you like eight questions. It was a long episode. We talked about a lot mm-hmm. of different things. Right. Uh, this time I've got one, got one question for you. So we'll see how long this episode goes. But right. uh, one question for you, and it's this. What are three things that you learned about ministry from the COVID-19 pandemic? And we were talking a little bit before we started recording. You said you had a couple things in mind already, but just I just so you know, and so the listeners know at home, this can be anything from uh, this can be anything from you know new practices that you had to implement, skills you had to learn, mentalities you had to adopt. I'm assuming as we all work on these different papers, we're all going to hear so many different things. So. Why don't you go ahead and get us started with the first thing? What was one of the first things that you learned about ministry from this era of history? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, one question, but a three-parter. So you say three things. So it's really, you know, kind of like three questions here. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's Trinitarian. It's Trinitarian. A Trinitarian question. Um, yeah, I, you know, to kind of get us started, like when I, when I was in seminary, I remember being – um, young and seminary, 20 something dude and looking up to like retired pastors who, um, you know, I'm 50 now. So like I was 20 something and looking up to pastors who were retired, who were pastors during like world war two. And I remember thinking like, good night, like how did you do that? Like what, what was it like sending people to war and then them not coming back and then wrestling with like, um, all the geopolitics yeah. and all the stuff that was going on in that era. And they just kind of looked at me. It's like, you know, we did what we had to do. We responded to the gospel endures. And, and I was just always looked up to them and felt very, very sheltered. Well, um, I, I now know that like when I'm a retired pastor, there's going to be some young seminarians going to be like, you were a pastor during the 2020s. How did you survive? What did you do? Like global pandemic, January 6th, Trumpism, uh, geopolitics, like uh, all that stuff. You're like, how did you survive? And I'm going to be like, you know, we did what we had to do. And uh, the gospel endures and uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the, <laughs> against the church. So you just kind of hold on to those things. So like 
I no longer feel sheltered. I no longer like we definitely been through it and coming through it. And so coming on the other end of a global pandemic, not that it's over, but there's definitely a new normal that we're wrestling with when it comes to ministry. I think some of the big questions that we were wrestling with before the pandemic, like church attendance and the Pew Research saying that not as people are ditching um, ditching, ditching church and, and has mistrust in institutions and um, less religious or whatever that is, uh, spiritual but not religious. I think those questions um, were there before the pandemic, but the pandemic definitely accelerated them and, and brought them to the forefront of our mind. And uh, so they're there. So first thing, first thing that, that comes to mind when I think about like what I learned from COVID tide uh, is that uh, not that this isn't something I learned for the first time, but I was reminded and relearned that the church isn't a building. So um, it's, it's the people and, and yes, um, our our worship space, our church buildings, is a sanctuary where where people can come and detach from their other aspects of life to have a safe haven, to have a spiritual refuge, to have a a sacred space, holy ground to to partake in word and sacrament and, and be nourished for the rest of the week. But when when the global pandemic said, "Hey, shut your doors, don't gather in person for the well being and the health of your church," we had to then say, "Okay." What does church look like? What does it mean to be the church? Well, guess what? If our building burned down tomorrow, God forbid, if we lost everything, we would still be the church. We'd still be a community, be a people that could gather in our homes or digitally or or however in a coffee shop or a brewery or wherever that that we we are still the church. And so we found different ways to connect. Yeah, we didn't gather on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings for for worship and fellowship and and faith formation stuff, but we were gathering and and staying connected in other ways, whether that was um, you know, online streaming or through social media or Zooms or uh still being together but social distancing and that kind of stuff. We found ways to connect. So uh, I think it shook my church out of some complacency. I hate that a global pandemic, um, it took a global pandemic to kind of shake us out of complacency to ask, because I was already asking that question like, hey, what does it look like to be the church during the whole week? You know, Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday morning. Uh, we were still like challenging our members to to think that way and uh, um, and to reflect on that. But man, the global pandemic like really brought that to the to the front. We we never shut down as a church. We continued being the church. We continued being Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. We just had to do it differently and realize that we um it's not necessarily the the building itself, but the people out in the world. Uh you you've hit the nail on the head right off the bat with one of the biggest things that we all were debating during this time period. Because this is something that many Christians have proclaimed week after week on in Sunday is that the church is not the building people mm-hmm. gathered together. But for some reason during COVID, there was this interesting shift where, well, yeah, it's not the building. It is the people, but we have to be in our building. There was this, there was this, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. there were groups mm-hmm. of Christians who were still very much like, but we have to be in the building. We can't be told not to be in the building, but you, I think you've really hit the, like I said, I think you hit the nail here of just like, we're not, not a church. We are still a church. It looks different. now. 
you know, we heard this phrase, the new normal way mm-hmm. too often. And that's just how it was for this period of time. We're back together now, mostly. You said it earlier, like we're talking about, we always talk about the pandemic like it's over. It is still <laughs> here. It's just not 2020 anymore. It seems like we've made the pandemic the year of 2020, which was a headache in of itself. Um, yeah, it's an yeah. endemic, like it's with us, it's traveling with us, and will we'll always be with us, that, that type of, of virus. But it's like, you know, how dare the government or science or whatever shut down the church? It's like we were never shut down. We just – we were thinking through how to take care of our neighbor, how, how, how to uh, – None of us have experienced this kind of thing before. We were learning on the fly, learning how to build the the airplane as it was flying, <laughs> like all right. all those kinds of analogies. That like, all right, we we got to figure this out. Watch science unfold in real time, and um, yeah, it was one of those things. Like, yeah, we, we preach all the time. It's it's not the middle, but I, I think it also it it also for people who took advantage or was kind of complacent about their church and their space. Once you kind of take it away and say you can't come, they're like, wait a minute wait a minute, I really care for this space. I really miss mm-hmm. this time on Sunday morning. I miss seeing uh, my neighbor across the pew or uh, how is so-and-so doing? Um, you know, I could look out at the camera and say, hey, welcome, God loves you and 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 preach the word. Um, but, but man, there's so much to be said about looking across the sanctuary and reading people's postures and faces through it all. Like, uh, you know, Shirley, who's normally upbeat and always has, you know, a resting smile face. You know, if there's a Sunday where she looks down and, and she's like shrugging and, and, and looks sad, I can pick that out and say, and I can go up to her and go, Shirley, how's it going? You, what, what what's happening? I can tell something's off and, and they can be honest with me. So I couldn't read the room um, to the people who were watching me. So there is something great about, you know, broadcasting, extending your reach. We'll talk about that in a minute um, yeah. about, about your ministry, but, but also like being with people face to face that you can kind of, can read their body language. And so that was taken away. And, and it was like, man, I didn't realize how important that was to when, how I preach, when I preach and, and taking care of my flock. So the first one up, the church is not a building. It's the people gathered. And the people Mm -hmm. had to scatter a bit in order to make it work during 2020. Mm -hmm. What was the second thing that you learned during the pandemic? That we adapt when we have to. Um, You know, the old joke, the old joke is how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? And then the Lutherans say, change? Um, (laughs) so, so we're, we're, you know, change is hard for us people, uh, us Mm -hmm. Lutherans. And, um, even before the pandemic, we are extending kind of our technology and getting into podcasts and, and, you know, our social media and it come up over and over again, you know, Hey, should we do a live stream? Should we videotape? Should we get a YouTube channel? Mm. And every week we were kind of like, well, we'll do it next week. I'm really busy this week. I'll do it next week. Don't have time right now. We don't have the resources right now. I don't want to learn something new. Um, you know, ask me again when Lent's over. Ask me again when Easter's over. Christmas is too busy. Ask me again at the beginning of the new year. Well, um, the pandemic hit and they were like, well, now no no procrastinating anymore. Time to get down to it and and learn. And so, boy, we I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I should go back and watch that first YouTube uh, video of me like <laughs> stand there like Ricky Bobby, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm sure that's what <laughs> it looked like. I was, I'm sure I had no idea what, what I was doing. But, you know, I am, I'm also not afraid to 
be be a ham in front of a camera or a microphone. And and so it part of it was thrilling, learning something new. What are we doing? And so so we adapted. And and all the churches said, no, we can never do that. That doesn't seem like what's in our wheelhouse. Boy, there are a lot of churches doing it. Whether you're Facebook mm-hmm. living or whether you're YouTube or whether you're pre-recording it and and broadcasting it later on, we all churches found a way that met their needs of their people and what their what their staff could do. But but we we adapted um, and and we made it work and we learned as we went and, um, and not that it was all. Um, easy, but, but we learned and, and grew and were forced to. And, um, in the long run, it extended our, our reach. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I definitely still have in this new normal members, you know, seasoned members, older members who look around our sanctuary and are like, where is everybody? It seems, it seems that there's not as many people in the room. And I'm like, you're right. Um, but I want you look at here, look at my phone. There's 25 people uh, online right now with their devices watching our service. And by the end of the week, we have over 100 views. We have over 400 subscribers on YouTube. And and so with the people that are in the room and the people that watch during the week, um, we, we, there are more people engaged in our congregation than ever before. Um, you know, social media uses that kind of, um, you know, you get a note back from Facebook that says uh, you have so-and-so, you know, 300 engagements this week. And, and so what are they oh, saying? Yeah, like yeah. scrolling past or clicking on a picture or commenting, you know, I, I'm starting to use that language within our church. How many people are engaged in our community throughout the week? And so whether it's through social media, whether it's our weekly emails, whether it's um, our YouTube channel and those in attendance uh, for for Bible study and and worship, there's more people engaged now in our congregation than than ever before, and I think that's because the pandemic forced us to expand our reach. And so, yeah, like you, like you text me a picture of like your your son watching the children's message. Yeah, you know that yeah. would have never happened if it hadn't been for the pandemic. I have a a member who um, moved out to Arizona and haven't found a church yet was able to um, uh, worship with us on Christmas Eve. And it brought her like, ah, oh, there's, there's my home coming home for Christmas. And I can't get there on Christmas Eve because I'm not in Chapel Hill, but, but they were, they felt at home and at peace. And you know, of course I encourage her to find a church community that they can bed in there in Arizona. But in the meantime, uh, you can do both. You can, you can plug into what we're up to and find out what we're doing and, uh, do that kind of thing. So, so yeah, the part two, we, we adapt when we have to. And, and I hate that a global pandemic, uh, is what took us to, to realize that, but it, um, um, it, it expanded us, help us, help us think things in a different way. It is amazing how slow we are to be flexible and to change until we are, we're backed into a corner because yeah. there really mm-hmm. wasn't much else. If people can't come in, you got to do something. And it was fun <laughs> early on. Early on. I mean, it, it, it stopped being fun by week two of being locked in the house. But <laughs> it, early on, it was fun to just see, like, how all these different churches. I was like, you know, everybody was sharing their service on Facebook, mm-hmm, YouTube mm-hmm. links, whatever. And you could just see how everybody was doing it. And I'm sure everybody has cringy first videos like, like oh, you're boy. talking about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And now this has become this digital media ministry. It's become a part of a church's, most churches' normal ministry now of at least live streaming or recording the audio and putting it on as a podcast or something. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We had, a, um, 
you know, a grad student. I'm on the at the doorstep of University of North Carolina, and so we had a a grad student who um, was from Germany who was watching us online before she even came to school at UNC to kind of check us out wow. and watching us from from Germany. And then when she arrived, or before she arrived, she reached out on Instagram and said, "Hey, I'm coming your way. I've been watching you on YouTube. I'd love to meet you when I get to town." And, and I was like, "Awesome!" And so she came. So so man, it, it is one of those things you never know who's watching. It's a little little humbling. Um, and, and I mean, church has been telebroadcasting and, and doing stuff a long time. Lutheran's a little behind the game, but, but just the fact that like this person was like, knew they were coming this way and wanted to check us out first and see, uh, what we were doing, what we're up to and, and what the vibe was like to help break the ice for when she got here. And now she's kind of a part of the congregation and part of our student ministry. And that speaks to the importance of having a digital presence in general. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of past the time of just having a website, because even now with even younger generations, younger than me now, you know, they might not even look for the website. They'll go to Facebook or Instagram to see mm-hmm. or go on YouTube to see what the church has to offer and get a vibe from that rather than Googling it. Yep. Yep. All right. So we we change when we have to. Or how did you phrase it? How did you phrase that? Uh, We adapt when we have to. We adapt. We adapt when we have to. The church is not the building. What is the third lesson that you got from COVID? We need to continue to listen to, pay attention, and be in conversation with mainstream science. Okay. Tell us more. Yeah. So um, one of the... And again, my context is I'm on the doorstep of University of North Carolina. And within my own congregation, um, professors, scientists, doctors, nurses, um, uh, students who are are going medical school, um, epidemiologists, um, evolutionary biologists, you know, uh, particle physicists, (laughs) like they're they're (laughs) in my congregation. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room when when I gather, but but I'm pretty good at making connections and bringing people together and finding the right resources for people. So that's kind of fun to kind of uh, be a matchmaker with students and professionals Mm. and and faith and never never a dull moment with good questions that that they're asking. So so I think a, a a theology that's engaged with science is um, in a healthy way is is for the vitality and long long term health of of the church. It doesn't mean you have to always agree on everything. It doesn't mean you have to understand everything. It's just I think a healthy conversation between the two um, is is for um, the vitality and longevity of the church. If it's going to survive, it has to be. And so one of the frustrating things with COVID was that we were watching science in, in real time. At one part, there was like, no, you don't need masks. Another part, you do need masks. Well, here comes the vaccine. Well, I, just for this age group. And well, maybe you should wash your groceries. Well, maybe not. It's just, it's, I hope you have a good uh, ventilation system because it's airborne. You, we were watching this happen in real time. And and, and that's frustrating for us who are looking for answers. And a lot of people do weird things when they get scared or they're grieving. Um, so, so you kind of lash out and ask questions and, and blame and that kind of thing. But we're watching this unfold. And so if you understand the nature of science and the scientific process and, and experiments and learning as you go and things changing, I, it's maybe not as frustrating. But I think us watching it, we, 
we're kind of like, we wanted this to be over in a week or a month, but it's years and, and you're watching, we want the vaccine, Why we want medicine now, but it's going it's to take time. And well, it came out too soon. I don't know if I trust it or not. You know, it's like, wow, what do you want? <laughs> so, right. so all that, so you, so you kind of watch that happen. But the neat thing for our congregation um, is that, you know, on, uh, right outside my door down Franklin Street um, here in Chapel Hill, there's like, four or five like mainstream denominational churches right there. So we have okay. us, Holy Trinity Lutheran, Chapel of the Cross Episcopal, um, University Methodist, University Presbyterian, and University Baptist. So it's kind of like church row. So it's like, you know, we have fraternity row. Well, we have church row. We're all, we're kind of clumped here together. Um, and so we, we would go on, um, you know, before the pandemic, we'd meet, the pastors meet once a month or every other month for lunch just to check in, say, how are you doing? And camaraderie and colleagues and say, give each other a high five and say, high fives and say, hang in there. You know, you got this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the pandemic happened. We're like, okay, let's get together. What are we doing? What are you doing? Let's mm-hmm. not be in competition with one another or, or send mixed messages. Let's be a united front in terms of how we, you know, uh, close our doors, open our doors, mask or no mask, vaccines or no vaccines. Like we wanted to all be on the same page. Not that we all had to do church the same way on Sunday morning, pre-recorded or live or Facebook or YouTube, but, but we all wanted to be, so we just came right together. And then there was a member of University Methodist, Dr. Wes Wallace, who's um, head of emergency medicine at uh, UNC Hospital, one of the best hospitals in the nation. And so he was our weekly consultant uh, to say, here are the numbers. Here's what we're learning. We meet like Monday at 10 o'clock every every Monday throughout the pandemic. And we gather and Dr. Wallace would give his presentation of like, here's what we know about the virus. Here's what we don't know. Here's how many people are dying. Here's what's happened in the emergency rooms and hospitals. Here's what we're learning. And so. You know, he's like, look, um, and the biggest and the biggest thing about pandemic pandemic is one, it was a new virus that we didn't know what it was going to do for some people. It's killing them. Some people, it felt like a, just a mild cold. We get that. But the other aspect was like, if you're, if you have, if your emergency rooms are full because of this virus, and then I, you know, have a compound fracture in my leg and they can't see me in the ER because it's filled up, then, then what are we going to do next? Um, so, so he was really come from the angle of like, this is for like national healthcare, um, thing. And here's how we can take care of one another. So there's no conspiracy. He didn't come with us and like, well, this is what we need because they're pushing, you know, a new medicine. He was just like, no, I care for my congregation. Um, I care for university Methodists. I want to make sure it's healthy and I don't want my, this person that I love across the pew to die. Um, and so he was coming from, from that angle. And, and from that, you know, that brought us together and we were able to learn and ask questions along the way. And it didn't mean that we were like, well, ask hard questions or, or have doubts or, or do things differently. But at least we were sitting at the table with him to ask questions. And if he didn't know the answer, he would go and find it for us and awesome. come back. So we were listening um, to mainstream science and trying to learn along with them and and figure that thing out. So I think... You know, this probably isn't the last time a major virus is going to run through. It's the last time we're going to bump up against, um, you know, global crisis or climate change or not understanding new discovery in particle physics or, or, <laughs> or you know, the, the James Webb telescope and looking at the, the universe, the vastness of the universe. So, so I think ha- being in conversation with these scientists and who are on the forefront of discovering, you know, 
the fabric of the universe and what our lives mean to each other, it's important to, to pull up a chair and, and, and be good listeners. Doesn't mean we don't have a voice. Doesn't mean we can't ask good questions. Doesn't mean there's not tension on the line between aspects of religion and theology and faith with, with science. Uh, but at least, at least pull up a table and have a posture of humility to listen and learn. Um, that is, yeah. before we even get on the science part, that is awesome that you've had that network of pastors to begin with, you know? Oh my gosh. It was a godsend. Like I, and I, and I do, I know there are colleagues of mine who were in, you know, places in North Carolina where it was more rural and, mm-hmm. and you don't have your colleagues as close and yet, you know, and we could easily, the churches on Franklin, we could all, and you know, not to say it hasn't at time, we can easily kind of look each other and size each other up and be in competition. How many people you got? What's your budget like? Did you make budget? I didn't make budget. How come you have more students than I do? What are you doing to attract newcomer? I mean, mm-hmm. there, that's all there, but I think at that moment, we all respect each other and want to take care of each other. And I don't know what I would have done without that group. Like in terms of That's my awesome. mental health, uh, being able to bring that credibility back to the congregation to say we're meeting as a collective of churches and different denominations with with a scientist to kind of help us work through these things. And and they listened and were thinking through it with me. So I, it was it was absolutely vital um, in, in our well-being and health of a church to have that kind of. And, and that was another thing, like in terms of being adapting when we have to. And figuring out YouTube or whatever. Now, now we're like, oh, we, we're forced together. It took a global pandemic for us to meet more often to get to know each other and care for other each other. And then, you know, later on that that summer when that the um all the stuff went down with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and and um, protests on Franklin Street and the and the university and and thinking through like racial justice, we were able to come together with the black churches in our community and and who are part of those conversations to listen and to work through that um, as well. And then we got to like education and so our students who were, you know. Uh, struggling because they had to do distance learning and learn from home. We're like, how can we help the kids in our community? And so we, we help fund and support like a, um, like a tutoring um, school program to help kids who were, who were falling behind in school because they couldn't be in the classroom. So it led for us to support that in the community. So all that just kind of unfolded for us to work together and, and help do things, um, you know, for the well-being and thriving of our community. That's awesome. So on the on the keeping up, keeping an ear to the ground to changes in mainstream science. Not everyone's going to have someone from a renowned exactly. hospital mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. congregation. Um, right. And in some contexts there is skepticism with what's being said on mainstream media, mainstream news outlets. So mm-hmm. maybe for the average person who just who hears that and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. I should know what's going on in the science world. Do you have any recommendations that are that could be helpful to someone to have that get a little bit of that in their life without, you know, feeling like, well, is this going to be biased or slanted or you know, do you have sure. any recommendations on that? Yeah, I think, um, and, I, and I've, you know, we've done a lot of work in in the area of faith and science and conversation around that. And and often people say, well, like, well, yeah, Will, you're 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 right there near Chapel Hill and Duke, and so of course, what if I don't have a particle physicist in my congregation? Sure. <laughs> what do I do? Well, you may have a biology chemistry teacher, 
Okay. You might have like a middle school um, chemistry teacher. You might have a nurse. Uh, you might have a doctor. Um, you might have an ophthalmologist, you know, um, there might be someone in your congregation that you would think is like, yeah, they're not, they don't work at CERN, but they, they may work, um, as, as a nurse or a midwife or, a or, a you know, a high school biology teacher, you know, mm-hmm. and so get, get in conversation with them, what they're doing in their research and how they see the world and their, their framework. And then, and then, yeah, um, there, there's so many good resources. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, cutting through media and sources and, and Google, Googling, just Googling an article and reading the first thing you think of. But I think, you know, ask people you trust who they trust in terms of uh, when it comes to sciences and in like healthy theology that's engaged with, with science. There's so many good books. Um, and I, I think people of faith and the stereotype is like they're science and and religion just don't meet because there's just polar opposites. But there's so many good like scientists who are people of faith who've written great books about whatever, um, whether it's cosmology or evolution or whatever, that, that I think have found a very, very helpful. Um, so, so, yeah, I would start small. Look into your congregation um, and see what resources you have first and then um, then ask colleagues and and then go to your like your church structure, like perhaps your your bishop or your deacon or your president of of whatever, and say like, yeah, I'm looking for some resources to help guide us in this. I, I was also very thankful with our, um, you know, I'm part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We have a national church um, that's headquarters in Chicago, and then we have we're part of the North Carolina Synod, S Y N O D, uh, which is what we call like. So we have a bishop of our synod. And and the bishop and the bishop staff would um, would also put out for churches that didn't have the network I did would put out like um, like I don't know um, kind of policies and thinking through and resources about masks and vaccines to help articulate what they were start trying to stay on top of things and on the latest trends and. Um, and, and, and kind of like what was happening, breaking news with, with that so they could help relay that back to congregations that maybe weren't necessarily like right in the heart or near like a major hospital or whatever. That's awesome. So there's there's options. There's ways <laughs> you might have to network a little bit, but there's ways yeah. to find the scientific information out there. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. because like you said, this may not be the last time <laughs> we have to deal with. Yeah. With yeah, I guarantee you there's going to be outbreak a, or some kind of outbreak or mutation or 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 something. Um, we'll finally get the zombies eventually. Oh man, are you watching um, The Last of Us on HBO? I I am not, but I have heard a lot of buzz about it. Is it good? Oof, it's good. If you like the zombie genre, it's a different take on it. Think of oh, think okay. of mutated funguses that take over somebody's brain and oh bodies. Yeah. That is different. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. Next time I get <laughs> HBO, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I think it was a video game like ten years ago. I had no idea. I was like, this was a oh. video game, and then and then they've made it into a show. But uh, yeah, yeah, I pretty, did. Pretty intense. But definitely post-apocalyptic um, dystopia, and you know, you start talking about outbreaks, of viruses, and what people would do. You're like, can't help it. Like, oh, I just went through it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, last pop culture reference. Okay, that might be a lie. Who knows with us? But yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, were watching right. The Simpsons recently. I've been watching through The Simpsons on Disney Plus from start oh, to, nice. to present. And, oh, so good. And I'm up to season 25 or something. And 
there was an episode, they went on a cruise, a family vacation cruise, and Bart was having such a good time, he never wanted it to end. So he faked a pandemic, a worldwide virus <laughs> pandemic, and all the cruise liners had to stay at sea until further notice. Claire and I are looking at each other like, oh my gosh, this is this did not age well. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to find the episode and watch it. That's pretty good. Bart on a cruise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess the sentence, you know, it has that legacy of like, be able to foretell and call things in the future. There's somebody who's been time traveling on the writer staff um, that, that know that. Yeah. My favorite, like, I, I just remember this from, from the Simpsons is there's one Halloween special when like um, Lisa creates um, like life in like a Petri dish and they, she watches them evolve underneath the microscope. And at one point the little people are like, you see like this guy walk up to a church, nailing something on the door. And she's like, yeah. Oh no, I created Lutherans. And then and it just pans <laughs> out. I was like, Oh, look at Lutherans making mainstream pop culture. references." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one now. I can remember yeah. the little the little hammer. Yeah. 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 <gasps> oh no, I created Lutherans. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to uh COVID now. So three things that you have learned. You've learned you were reminded that the church is not the building, the church is the people. Uh you mm -hmm. learned that we are we are forced to adapt when we need to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we're open to adapting. This has a snowball effect of how you can minister in other ways in the future and reach out to other people. And third, you're just talking about keeping an, keeping an ear open, paying attention to what's going on with science and mainstream science, and maybe also not being quick to judge as the information is coming out because masks rules were changing frequently the viruses or the vaccines ready the vaccines not ready like a little bit of patience it's scary but we need a little bit of patience too during that as well right right science is 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 um it's a long process and so you know watching it happen in real time can can be frustrating especially if you're like ready to get back to work or worried that your church isn't going to survive or you're scared that so and so a loved one um uh, could could be infected or die or in the hospital. It's it's hard. It's hard to be patient in those times. But 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 there's definitely some some good people out there that you know don't don't listen to the conspiracy theories. Not everything is a conspiracy theory. Um, there's people who are really care for, and that's what Dr. Walsh really. I was like, yeah, you could see. Oh, of course, he's emergency uh, director of emergency medicine at UNC. Of course, he wants like you know, his hospital would be profitable, but like, no, he, he was coming to us because he wanted, he cared for his church and congregation and his people and his pastor. Well, Pastor Will, I've really appreciated this conversation we've had. I'll let you know how the paper goes. Um, oh, yeah. Let me read but, it. When uh, you're done. If people wanted to drop in and check out your church service, where can they find that? Ah, there you go. Okay, we are located in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. That's our physical space, our digital space. You can find us. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram as well. And then our handle on uh, YouTube is Holy Trinity Chapel Hill. Um, and so you can find us on, on YouTube as well. I'll include a link for the YouTube channel 
because yeah. as Will talked about earlier, uh, we do watch the service regularly. That was actually part of our Advent uh, season. We really enjoyed the Wednesday services going through nice. that, going through mm-hmm. that children's book. That was that was cool. I'll have to remember yeah. that for a future a future idea. Find some good children's books to inspire mm-hmm. adult lessons. That's cool. Um, nice. And you're also one of the hosts over at Systematic Geekology. If you can't tell, Will is a bit of a geek. So uh, Yeah, I find a way to work that in. I'll talk right. about geek stuff. Yeah, my congregation knows that too. You'll probably hear some pop culture references and sermons too. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was one you you did, I don't even know, <laughs> a couple months ago, I think. And you were like, who's this? And it was a picture of Aquaman. And then you yeah. lifted up a picture. It was like the very traditional like Super Friends Aquaman. And then you yeah. had a picture of Jason Momoa and you're like, who's this? Also Aquaman. I was like, he, yeah, he did that. I, I was did. like, they get and to then John the Baptist. And then I get to John the Baptist. Cause that's what happened. Like a little, I showed a picture of John the Baptist. It's right when the first Aquaman movie came out, I showed a picture of John the Baptist in my action Bible. to kind of talk about John the <laughs> Baptist and, and the kid was, I was like, who is this? Be- expecting them to say Jesus, because you know, it's from the Bible and it's to do with a beard and long hair. And, mm-hmm. and one of the kids was like, that's Aquaman. And I was like, no, no, it's not Aquaman. No, you're right. <laughs> it is Aquaman. John the Baptist is the original Aquaman. <laughs> Hung out by we the water. I mean, <laughs> we'll never, I, I'll never forget that as long as I live. And then I had to bring that back up this past, this past year. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, we'll include links for those in the description of this episode. You can also find links for the MSL website and shop. Uh, if you want to pick up any stuff from the shop as well. You can also contact the show at email seminarylife at gmail.com, email seminarylife at gmail.com. Thank you again for uh, coming here, helping me out with this assignment, Will. And uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, theology is for everyone, so keep on 